Happy Thursday to you folks and welcome to Got Your Back NHL Edition. LeBron and Rashad and Noodles today. Yes, Jamie McLennan joining us for the podcast of Overdrive, Calgary Flames fame, NHL goaltending, veteran. Nice message of encouragement from Jason Strudwick coming up for Jamie McLennan. Don't know if you heard it on the podcast last night. You're going to love it, Noodles. Uh, got your back NHL edition brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. We're so happy to have them as our title sponsor. Real solid, truly Canadian company. What sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude, a core value of their company. I've actually been down to the head office. They've got it right on the wall. It's really nice. Get or done. That's the way they run their business. They live by it. So do all their staff members. Uh, they provide equipment and supplies to all facets, facets of the Canadian construction industry. And uh, they take a lot of pride. Huge hockey fans over there too. Some of them. And uh, real happy to have them on board as our title sponsors. All right. Let's check in with the crew. Pierre Lebrun. And Noodles, Jamie McLennan. I think it's your second time back on the pod, Noodles. Good to have you, pal. Very fired up. I'm very excited to hear what Jason Strudwick had to say about me because... Uh, You're not going to like it. You're not going to like of it. Of course not. I know he's either going to talk about me, my wardrobe where I wear black all the time or my lack of being in shape when I played in the NHL. Who knows what this guy What else could it be, Jamie? Take, take us through a few other possibilities. Let's see if you can guess mm. it. I mean, honestly, like, yes, the wardrobe, the body, uh, it can't be hair because I've got a lot more than him. Yeah. But, yeah, there's there's so many things. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, Strutty's <laughs> one of my best buddies in the world, so he knows where all of my bodies are buried. So. <laughs> he, he might not be after this. What I love here, yeah. Pierre, is we actually got Jamie out of sheer terror to completely just start – like running through the list of himself of all the things that he knows are wrong with him trying to get ahead of struds wow well, we're, we're we're a family show here so yeah i think you'll be all right needles but uh, okay, good. I, I laughed i laughed so hard this week when he was on overdrive with you guys and he was telling stories about a when he had a clear breakaway once yeah. and then and then getting beat uh, on trying to zip it across and getting beat by Chad Kilger. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You guys were just losing it. It was so good. Yeah. Well, he said, and I, it was funny that he said he was more worried about just trying to outrace Larry Murphy in a foot race. Hall of Famer, but not a fast skater. In this uh, so Struds yeah. and I were doing an Edmonton podcast last night and I told him you were coming on today. And I said, anything you'd like me to pass along, uh, Here's one of your best friends in the whole world, Noodles. Yeah, heavy glove hand. Why Why did he have the heaviest glove hand in the league? <laughs> was that the knock on him? Was bad yeah, I used, to, I used to think it was lazy. When I first started, I thought it was a lazy glove hand. Then I realized it was just heavy. It was heavy. It's like he had a weight in it. You're Slowest glove hand. And he's That's not true. even here to defend himself. Uh, I'm going to have to roll that. I'm going to roll that tell clip him. in for Struds tomorrow, for him. Noodles tomorrow. Yeah. Let him know. He needs to hear the truth. Not lazy. I guess what's better to be, lazy or a heavy glove hand? <laughs> and that freaking laugh of his. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know what? He has said that. He has been consistent. He said his whole career, he's like, Jamie, you've got a lazy glove hand. Now he's calling it heavy. But that was, honestly, I always felt like I had a pretty good glove hand. It was just everything else that they scored everywhere else. So I, I didn't have a problem with that. I'm glad, you know what, like we could bring up the fact that Iggy was plus two against him in Chicago one night and he blamed Steve Passmore. Okay, here we go. When really it was just strutty and his lack of mobility through here the neutral we go. zone. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll try and roll that clip in my next podcast with Strud's Noodles. Yeah, if it makes exactly. you feel better. By the way, well, I, 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 apropos of nothing, but I miss the days. I mean, the players are so nice in today's game. I miss the days when... The goalie would stare down his D after, oh. after something. I yeah, missed great, great for team unity. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I one of my you know one of my most fondest memories early on in my career, and uh, I was sitting on the bench. I got called up uh, with the Islanders, so I must have been 21 years old. And Mark Fitzpatrick allowed a goal, 
And Fitzy was a guy who would give out the laser beams here or there. Yeah. And I was sitting sitting beside uh, Tom Curvis. God rest his soul. He passed away recently. And, um, you know, I didn't know Tom very well. I just had been called up. And, and he goes, hey, kid. He goes, when you make it to this league full time, don't ever do that. And he was pointing back at, you know, at Fitzy giving Dennis Vasky the laser beams. And I swear to God, every time I would run into Tom, like years later, and Tom was in management with Minnesota, I would bring up that story. And he would laugh. He was like, God, I hated that. God, I hated when goaltenders had lasered the D. And I said, I agree. Like I never, in my mind, I was like, never do that again. If I had done it, I don't think I was a guy that would do that. But um, it, it always stuck with me. It's funny how a veteran guy will give you a little tidbit of advice yeah. and it sticks with you your whole career. And like every, like every time I thought of Tom Kerbers, I would think of that little tidbit of advice in the middle of a game. He just leaned over is like, don't ever do that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I probably won't. So it was interesting. And, you know, I, I had so much respect for Tom Kerbers. Obviously Mark Fitzpatrick was a great goalie and got a chance to play with him, but that was, you know, you learn things along the way. And that was yeah. certainly one. So uh, that's great stuff. Uh, okay, guys, lots to get to. Uh, we're going to try and hit on a bunch of different topics here. So we'll kind of skip along topic to topic, cover a bunch of ground. we got, of course, the Final Four about to get started here in the NHL. Oilers wrap up. Leafs wrap up. We'll do some on that. Uh, talk a little bit about Arizona as well. So let's get to it all. That's going to be our breakdown brought to you by Kuma Outdoor Gear. they got a wide range of gear to fit all of your outdoor needs. Pierre likes the sound of outdoor because he's got the cottage on his mind uh, heading out there uh, after the Stanley Cup final for the summer. And uh, I don't know, Pierre, we'll get you set up with some Kuma gear. I was talking to Matt from Kuma and he said he needed to send you some stuff since I stole all your swag. So you might have some stuff on the way. Uh, Maybe a switchback heated chair. I don't know. If not, I'll send you one. Uh, The world's first uh, heated chair powered by Bluetooth technology. It's got dual heat zones in the seat and the back. You can adjust the temperature from your phone. You can preheat your chair before you go outside, Pierre. So from your kitchen, you can stare down at your fire pit, heat your chair, and then walk out. I mean, I don't know if it gets better than that. We, we just talked about bad teammates, and here you are stealing my swag. We just talked I did. about that. Yeah, we, you staring <laughs> me down after I made a mistake. I know. I know. This one was for you, buddy. So Noodles, when Kuma came on as a sponsor, oh, Matt sent me yeah. a bunch of their stuff, and I was like, oh. I just started well, picking you, through you, it. You, I got, you thought I got this it was too. coming out. And I got this I, too. You thought it was coming yeah. out to cover the oil, and I stayed with the Leafs this year. So. Honest <laughs> to God, it, it is like no matter what we do in our lifetime – and I, I noticed this as a player. There would be guys who would make five million in, in you know a year, and Love somebody would come in and drop and drop in uh, a box of t-shirts, and there would be a dog pile for those t-shirts. <laughs> like I remember playing in Calgary, and Dion Phaneuf, I think, was sponsored by like Red Bull or something, and he brought in, "Hey guys, here's some t-shirts." There was a box of Red Bull t-shirts in the middle of the room. Yeah. And it was almost like there was like a kumite all of a sudden, like a fight to get a free t-shirt. And Roman Hammerlick, we would I would tease him because Hammer, I think, was making like five million. <laughs> and he would he would he would steal anything that wasn't nailed down in the dressing room. I don't know why. Uh. <laughs> Walking out like his pockets being full. Of, there's a there's a razor. I'm like, you've got razors at home. Like, what are you doing? Like, Come oh, on. We used to have. Well, I, I mean, listen. I, I think, and I tell you, it's <laughs> it's probably got to do more with nutrition and today's player than anything else. But I've talked to some players now that, oh. and I didn't really, re- I didn't really realize this till the last couple of years. But a lot of players, especially young players, um you know, that are single that don't, you know, don't need to, to sort of budget ahead of time at home for groceries and, and family meals. But a lot of single players, they eat all their meals at the rink. Yeah. Everyone. Like, 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 so they come in and, and they're, and they eat breakfast with it. And then, and then lunch and dinner, they leave the rink. They got all their meals. Like, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. And you know, what's funny going back to, you know, my days was part of the team unity was in the morning you show up, there were bagels and stuff there. But then after practice, it's like, guys, where are we going for lunch? There was right. always, there was always, honestly, 
a 12 pack of guys going, Hey, let's go here for lunch. Let's go here for lunch. And that was part of it. And some of the married guys would come or, and especially some of the single guys, like you mentioned, the guys who lived alone, we'd go for lunch. And then sometimes lunch turned into dinner. If we had a few days off and stuff like that, that was kind of like, you know, that was the social aspect. It was like, what are we doing for lunch? What are we doing for dinner? And there was these packs of guys that nowadays, like you just mentioned, Pierre, nutrition is so important in today's game that these guys are fed at the rink. So you're right. You see guys walking out with, you know, what are those called? Like doggy bags or whatever. And that's the dinner for that night. Yeah. Yeah. For containers. Cause they're like, this is our food. We're going to eat the, the prepared meals here by a professional chef, whereas we're, we're going to the Mongolia Grill down the road and, you know, having a $30 plate of noodles and chicken or whatever. So <sighs> it, it, it's changed. For sure, everything has changed. Wow. Anyways, yeah. uh, go to kumaoutdoorgear.com. <laughs> that was the single yes, longest <laughs> and best ad read in podcast history. Go. You know, it's the Quizmaster's job to kind of help manage content here on the podcast. And when I told him you were coming on, Noodles, he's like, okay, we need to keep it on the rails, though, because if you're not careful, there will be no hockey talk for 15 minutes. There'll be no hockey. And we are now 11 minutes in. We're bringing people behind the scenes. I know, but the Quizmaster is getting stressed out right now. We just need to talk hockey. All right, let's talk some hockey. All right, dial it in. Uh, great stories. Uh, so, guys, let's start with the Stanley Cup drought in Canada. Now 30 years old. Leafs go out. Oilers Ooh. go out. I will ask you guys the question. Which of those two failures represents the bigger one, would you say, for the franchise? Noodles, is this a bigger failure for the Leafs or a bigger failure for the Oilers? I know that's a harsh word, but I'm yeah. not sure what other word to use. You know what? I'm going to give you a definitive answer, but I I can make a case for both. And the reason being, let's start with the Leafs. Because on paper, everyone's like, Boston's the big bad boogeyman. So all of a sudden, you know, the Leafs in Tampa, I think were evenly matched, but people thought, okay, this is the team that the, the Leafs can get by Tampa this year. And they did. So you're sitting there going, okay, Boston's out. You've got Florida that... I honestly, and I'll personally say, I thought Florida Stanley Cup was them just beating Boston. I thought they would be, there would be such an emotional kind of high that it's like, okay, we've had a successful year. We just took down the, the greatest team in the regular season. So in my mind, I was like, this is a clear path for the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are a really good team, to go to the cup final. Like, that's what I thought. So I would say just based on the history – and what the expectations were, it was Toronto. But the Edmonton Oilers were arguably the best team the last, what, 40 games of the season. McDavid has a career year. Dreisaitl is an animal. And now they've got depth. Now you've got Evander Kane. You've got Hyman. RNH gets 100 points. And it looked like the goaltending position had stabilized with Skinner as a guy who had kind of pushed through. Mm-hmm. And then you go and get Ekholm. And they settle everybody in. Like, Ekholm all of a sudden makes Bouchard look like a player. Uh, you know, a play, a rounded player. Um, you know, Nurse and CC. it, it kind of slots. Like, it took some minutes away from Nurse, and it slots Kulak yeah. farther down. Like, Ekholm really was, for me, the It felt piece like it was that, there for them. I would agree with you, Jamie. It, really it did. It felt so like it was there that, for them. And, and so I'm sitting there going, like, I, in my mind, when Boston went out, I, I said to myself, it is going to be Edmonton, Toronto in the finals, and let's have at it. Yeah, I, Pierre I really actually felt... said that on the podcast. <laughs> I, I was and, about to uh, bring up my failure here, but I'm waiting for noodles to be done here. <laughs> my my failure is everybody's failure, and I think we all were thinking it going, there is a chance that this is going to be Edmonton, Toronto, yeah. and that'll be a he- hell of a series. But the only reason I'm going to say Toronto more is because of the age of that group. Because you've got Tavares now, who's going to be 33 next year. You've got Ryan O'Reilly. I don't even know if they're going to sign, like if he's going to sign. Like they kind of went all in. And now that's seven years with that, you know, that core where they might have to adjust. Whereas Edmonton, there's, there's no contracts that are coming up from that core group. 
So if I, I just look at the big picture, I think Toronto stings more because this might have been the year that the pieces all fell into line and they didn't get it done, where you're going to run back McDavid, you're going to run back Drysaddle because yeah. their contracts are still there. R&H, you got Hyman on term, you got Kane on term, Ekholm's just come in. Like Skinner now is going to – I think Campbell's going to have a bounce back here. So you, you all of a sudden look at it and go, okay, the goaltending may not trust it, but I think they'll be able to stabilize. And then there's some, some work for Ken Holland to be done, whereas I think in Toronto, all the work was done and the group failed. Now what do you do moving forward? Yeah. So I, I'm going to lean Toronto just based on the expectations and where that group is in their, their progression – I don't know if they'll run them back. Where I think in Edmonton, they're going to run them back. Yeah. Pierre, I budgeted seven minutes for this segment, so you have 40 seconds left. Go. Sorry. No, sorry, you're good, sorry. buddy. We love you. We it's love you. It's going to be more than 40 seconds. I, I, I'm totally with Noodles. I, I, uh, listen, the thing I would say, I, I picked the Oilers to win the Cup this year, as you know, Ryan, and, and you know, Ken Holland talked about how devastated his players were. I think he said it about 19 times at his end of season avail. But here's why I would say – that both organizations actually have answered your question for you by their words and actions since their season's ended. The Leafs are in complete disarray right now. They're still waiting on an answer from Kyle Dubas as to whether he'll sign a contract to remain GM or not. We haven't heard from Brendan Shanahan yet. Uh, Dubas ended his news conference by saying it might finally be time to do something big, i.e. maybe trade one of his core four. All of these dramatic things happen with the end of the Leafs season, whereas the Oilers despite the massive disappointment because the Oilers arguably were the best team in the league, at least in the West in the second half of the year. It was like, you know what? You know, conference finals last year, took another shot this year, came up short. Let's do it again next year. That's what I got from listening to all the Oilers yeah. avails is that super, super devastated, but we got a good team. Let's take another run next year. That's not what you're hearing from Toronto. What you're right. hearing from Toronto is, is this the end and what do we have to do? And it's not the end in the sense that they're not rebuilding. Of course not. They're going to find a way to, to, to run a competitive team again next year, depending on who's running it. But the emotional fallout is completely different. And it's not an argument to be made by me or anyone else. Listen to the two season-ending media availabilities, night and day. Yeah, I think it's the Leafs, guys, because I think Toronto was trying to prove something that it hadn't yet proved. And I don't think they did it. I don't think winning the yeah, winning the round right. and going out as fast as they did, it didn't answer the questions that they probably had about themselves and the hockey world had about them. And I think the Oilers have answered those questions already. They're disappointed they didn't go deeper, but they've kind of been there, right? They got to the third right. round last year. To me, the Leafs yeah. didn't answer the big question about the Leafs. And I think that's why it's a bigger failure for them. Yeah. The situation with Kyle Dubas, Pierre... Have we gotten to a spot here where if, if I'd have told you at the start of the season, the Leafs will go out, they'll win one round and then get swept in the second round, and it's going to be Kyle Dubas's call whether he comes well, back or not, what would you have said to me? And are we in that spot? Is this just strictly well, his it, call? And it's funny because Noodles will laugh because I know how many times they actually had this discussion on Overdrive this year. The biggest trap in talking about the Leafs all year in terms of what what's a successful season or not is people, a lot of people are always, you know, losing the first round or going a cup run. And for some reason, not a lot of people thought there could be an in-between. Cup or bust, baby. <laughs> and, the most yeah. leaf, and the most Leaf thing alive, and I say this, you know, listen, I, I know people's jobs are at stake here. I'm not making light of this, but... Of course, they finally end a 19-year drought, but then they go out meekly in the second round. Now what? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's like it's so many people are convinced that once they finally won a playoff series, that being unburdened mentally would just have them jump out. And I will tell you, the opposite happened in the first game and a half of that series is that they looked like they had, they had enjoyed that moment so much they weren't ready for Florida. Yeah. Yep. And 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 so um this is the this is the worst gray area here. Finally won a playoff series, but then, you know, uh, not a very good performance in the second round against the eight seeds. Now, a bit of a fake eight seed in the sense that they won the president's trophy a year ago, but still a team that you should beat if you're if you're serious about your cup contender status. So um I think it was not good enough, and I think again, 
what you heard from Kyle Dubas on Monday suggests that he's come to the same realization to some degree, if he's still GM. And again, it's not about just this year. It's, it's seven years of taking swings at it with a very similar core. And it just hasn't worked when it really mattered. That game three performance in Florida, when the series was still, you know, still there where you can make a series of it and coming out with that kind of effort that's what I'm going to remember really from that series against Florida, where it was still there after double off days, by the way, mm-hmm. and to come out and basically not show up in game three. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's uh, for me, I, I think it's like a little bit weird because I think Kyle Dubas's press conference threw everyone for a loop because I, I don't know if it was a brilliant move by him because all of a sudden, yeah, like where's the going, leverage? Where? Well, but 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 the thing is, it's like for him, he's like, well, I'm not sure if I want the job, and I got to talk to my family. It's been very hard. All of a sudden, nobody's talking about his body of work and failure. It's like, does he? Geez, I hope back? he comes back, <laughs> or does he? Does he want to come back? Yeah. I hope he's okay. And I think there would be questions, uh, and and these are valid questions as to. If he does get the job or accept the job or they want to move forward with him, is he okay to handle this type of stress moving forward? Because this is a, he, mm-hmm. he made it, he made it human, which is where it's just rare. Like this is a business. And he was like, hold on a second here. I've got to take a look at the actual human side. And this is my family. This is the stress it has been through a lot. And you're, you're going, okay, hold on a second here. So, he almost turned the tables where people were like, yeah. hey, we want to talk about this this core that you stood by, staked your career on it all of a sudden. And he's like, well, I'm not sure if I want to do this anymore. Uh, I got to talk with my family. I got to sort this out. Nobody's talking about him running back or taking them a flyer on Matt Murray and all of these things. It's like, oh, I hope he gets yeah. the job or I hope he wants it. He actually shifted the narrative. And I don't know if MLSE was ready for that either. So it'd be interesting uh, to see yeah. how that shakes out. I'm pretty confident in saying that I don't think Brendan Shanahan and Leafs ownership knew that was coming in terms right. of And I think, and I don't think it's, I just think it's Kyle Dubas being super honest and emotional in the moment. I don't think it was a game plan on his part, in my opinion. I just think he's, you know, he, he has been pretty transparent over the years and how he deals with the media. And I think that just all came pouring out. Yeah. The other part of that too, Pierre, was him saying, "If it's you know, if it's not Toronto, it's not anywhere." I mean, he's been linked well, to all was, over uh, the place. He's been linked to. I I, I had to. He he first kind of hinted at that in a, an answer to Chris Johnson's question, and then I felt the need to go yeah. back with the last question and say, "Let me just be clear here. <laughs> Are you saying you wouldn't go anywhere if if you're not least GM?" And he said, "Correct." And believe me, the people who at Fenway who run the Pittsburgh Penguins certainly heard that. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, no one saw that coming. Yeah. Um, so, so if it's not Toronto, know, then he potentially lays low for a year, regroups and spends some time with the family, figure out what the future holds. Well, I don't know about a year. I mean, there could be openings in January, but yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why I think this, but I, I, I could be totally wrong about this because the fact that it's taken this long this week makes you, and then this is, you gotta be careful, but I wonder if it, it's really been a struggle of a decision for him. But I still, I think he ends up resigning. But we'll see. I mean, so it's obviously not been an easy decision. I'm gonna chuck something out into the ether here, and it'll probably be inflammatory. I don't mean it that way. I'm just kind of connecting two dots. So Kyle Dubas takes a step back. Let's say that's the way it goes, and he's earned it if he if that's what he needs to do. And then he's in the market for general manager jobs this later this season or maybe at the start of next season guys i'm gonna fire a little sound bite that happened in edmonton here the other day do you intend oh, on being back in both roles like the general manager do you want to sort of your hands on the wheel as the gm next season for the 23 24 season yeah i do i do so ken holland general manager for one more year here in edmonton pierre i believe that there's going to be a process that happens out here where they start figuring out what succession looks like, a succession plan. I think they identify internal candidates, but I also think due diligence suggests they need to identify external candidates as well. Why wouldn't you? How coveted would that job be in Edmonton? So I think in the search for external candidates, if Kyle Dubas has taken a step back and a breather, 
and is looking for employment next season in the National Hockey League as a general manager. I'm not trying to explode the internet here. I'm just sort of connecting two dots. How crazy am I? I think you just radioed yourself as what you did. I did. did. But, uh, I did. I definitely did. No, it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, clearly what I got from Ken Holland's uh, news conference, and I haven't spoken to him myself, but just listening to what you guys were talking to him about yesterday, um, it sounds to me like he wants to work through the final year of his deal, and then he's, I think, it sounds yep. like he's ready to step away after that. There's there's some good internal candidates, obviously, you know, Keith Gretzky, Brad Holland, Steve Steos. Now, Steve Steos is going to be, I think, a GM somewhere one day. I just don't know if it's in Edmonton or somewhere else. I mean, he's got that relationship with Michael Anlauer, and, of course, Anlauer is trying to buy the Ottawa Senators. That's led to some speculation about uh, Steos' future, potentially, if Anlauer ends up with the Senators. But, um, you know, yeah. I mean, Succession, you, you, man. you got to figure yeah, out who the next guy is going to be. I, 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 okay, I'm going <laughs> to... Go ahead, Noodles. Like, and, and this is no slight on Kyle Dubas, but... His vision hasn't worked in the playoffs. So, you know, again, whether it's roster construction, just sticking with the core four, doing whatever, uh, again, that's regular season uh, and the program that he's built, very respectable, very classy, very everything. I I pointed this out yesterday off air and on air with the guys saying, keep in mind, he's at a blank check. Like MLSC, just, I mean, how many AGMs, how many, like, and you having a blank check, that's not his fault. That's the organization he runs. So, you know, he's been able to use these resources where it's an analytics team. It's not just one guy. It's sports science team. It's not just, you know, one or two guys. Keep in mind organizations that he goes to or potentially goes to if he leaves Toronto. This is all if. Not everybody works with a blank check. Not everybody, you can't, how do you sell to an owner who's very budget conscious? Now, I'm not yeah. saying wherever. Uh, we need 10 one-way contracts in the minors and all of them are 750 or 800. And they're going, okay, well, hold on a second here. Like, you know, our AHL budget is usually this. Um, I'm just pointing out that he might have to go to an organization and adjust his mindset or thought process too as to where in Toronto, it's been, you know, unlimited resources, unlimited, whatever. You know, I always joke, like, and I I say this respectfully, like the Ottawa Senators, like Pierre Dorian doesn't work with, you know, doesn't have a front office staff of 80 people. You know, there's certain organizations that have to be very mindful of budgets, be married, have to answer for questions where it's like- Carolina Hurricanes. Well, okay, it's a prime example. So what I'm saying is that, you know, Kyle's situation, if he goes to a new one, not not everybody has a blank check where you can go, hey, we're going to have a, a $10 million budget in the AHL. Some some teams work on $3 million budgets and players that, like, and, and, and again, that's not on Kyle. It's his situation. Yeah. But every, you know, everyone, like, you have to be mindful that you're, you're working for a different group as to, like, MLSE. Like, mm-hmm. if he goes to a singular, like, Daryl Cates has deep pockets. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, you still have to answer unique questions going, why is there a guy making $3 million in the minors that you've decided to bury a contract or buy this person out sure. and do these things? So, again, it's, it's more, I think, him choosing the scenario, he has to be mindful that he might have to adjust his mindset, too, on based on that current ownership. Group. The other thing that hasn't been talked about, Pierre, is the idea that the next general manager in Edmonton is going to negotiate the McDavid deal. Yeah. You need well, a sage hand at the wheel for that, and, man. And, and the dry sidle deal. And the I dry guess, sidle right? deal, right? So yeah. you want a first-timer in there? Maybe that's why Ken Holland, you know, we've heard maybe he'd consider sticking around as, as the poho, you know, and help whoever the next general right. manager is. But it's or, an important... Or senior advisor. Or yeah, exactly, right? So there's some important stuff. Uh, Based out of Vernon, BC, maybe. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I'm not saying that. No. Um, yeah, no, these are important questions. And in the meantime, a name that we haven't mentioned in all of this, and I'm not, I'm, I'm serious when I say it's not because I've heard something, but I'm just saying there is a free agent GM as of June 30th called Brad Tree Living. Yeah. Who has, who has worked in Alberta, who, uh, 
if the Leafs have an opening, how could he not throw his hat in there? I'm just saying. If there's an external search, are, if there's an external search and I mean, a succession plan that's going to be put in place, and I think there will have to be, it's the responsible thing to do. They should be working on this already. And there's suggestion yeah. that Steve Steos would be, there's concern about him going to the Andlauer group if they end up in Ottawa, and they really want to keep Steve Steos. Maybe they have to act a little bit quicker. But Ken Holland's going to be the GM. they got to figure out who the next guy is, do your search, identify that, and solidify yourself for next season. It's too important mm. an offseason to not have that position solidified uh, by the second half of next season even. So I think it's something that they yeah. definitely need to focus on. Okay, Quizmaster, losing his marbles. Because we got a lot to get to. So I'm going to call an audible here, you guys. <laughs> you yeah. Everything else from here on in, we're doing is quick hitters. Okay. Jamie, the rule on quick hitters is if you go too long, I start yelling at you. And I, I have sound effects okay. here. I can just start buzzing you off the podcast. No, I will be quick. Believe me, I've done the quiz many times. I will give you 15 to <laughs> I think he just rolled his eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And uh, I had a sort of a content plan. I'm throwing it out the window. So quick hitters. Our brand new segment brought to you by Liberty Smart Security. Totally had it planned that that was going to be their segment today. Company that specializes in having your back. High quality advanced smart security systems for your home or your business. They use leading edge technology to protect the things that you value most in life. Your home is your castle. Protect it with Liberty Smart Security. And maybe uh, some NHL locker rooms should be using a Liberty Smart Security system to protect the things they have in their locker room for... uh, Hockey players that are pillaging the freebies in the rooms, James. <laughs> the Roman Hammerlicks of the, the world. The Roman Hammerlicks of the world. Okay, uh, just quick hitters here. Uh, Pierre, anything on the Ottawa Senators situation that you think is relevant or new in the moment here with the, the group of owners? Where's it at? Oh, Noodles, I think Pierre froze. Uh-oh. Look at him. That's all right. Let's he froze with a big smile it. on his face, though. I will say that. I- I'm fine with that. Uh, we, you can jump the next question, and we'll get him to uh, answer the Ottawa Senators. Uh, you know what I can when, actually when it comes back. You know what I can actually do on this podcast. It's kind of and by the way, for, for those of you who might be new to Got Your Back, like I'm doing all the technical end myself today because Zuby, our tech, uh, is on vacation. So like I'm at the controls here. So we're in the middle of taping yeah. a podcast. We've lost our core secondary host. And now I'm having to host simultaneously with Jamie while trying to troubleshoot. But we have the technology. I think I can even just call Pierre and get him back on the podcast. Let's see if this works. Oh, there he is. Let's see. Let's see. Because we got a great shot of him. I mean, it's a smiling face. Yeah, it's a good shot. Yeah, you can just be by the phone. He looks great. Let's see. Can we get him over the phone? He's not going to scream now, is he? Is this something where the quiz master, like, you know, the quiz master gets a little, like, oh, yeah. worked up. Oh, yeah. So you, you just see him in his living room, like, you know, holding his chin, going, like, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, one second. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. Uh, so he's not answering his phone. I'm just going to say, hey, call me back, and we'll get you in over the phone. This is great content, hey? Uh, yeah, in the meantime, yeah. we're going to leave his smiling face up there. Uh, yeah. So, Noodles, we'll skip over that one, and we're going to get to uh, uh, Arizona. So the question I have yeah. for you, right, the possibilities are out there. And, and I mean, the momentum seems to be that there's going to have to be a switch, even though that the organization sent a letter saying they remain committed to trying to figure it out, right? They did. Um, yeah. But they said they'll play one more season in the 5K seat Mullet Arena. Um, but the possibilities for relocation, Atlanta, Kansas City, Salt Lake City, Quebec, let's throw greater Toronto in there as well. Uh, the question I have for you is where do you think the rest of the league, the rest of the players in the league want Arizona to move to, if they're going to, where would you have wanted to go of those cities? What are the good cities? I'm going to try and get Pierre back. I I played in Houston. Um, I think, I think that could absolutely be a good setting. But now I'm, I'm biased. Like, I want to see another team in Canada. I, I think it's either Quebec City or Toronto. I would love that. Like, for me, because it's great. As you know, we're in the media. It's great for content. If you had a second team in Toronto or a team in Quebec City where, you know, you're seeing the attendance at, at the uh, Quebec League finals. Like, they're, they're getting 
18,000 people in these buildings. Like I did Quebec and, and keep in mind early in my career, I played against the Quebec Nordiques. It was unbelievable. I loved that city. I loved the, the building, the, the, the support they got. Yep. So I'm, again, You're saying I'm biased because I'm saying Quebec or Toronto like that's because okay. I want more content being in the media. Pierre, I asked Jamie, by the way, welcome back, my friend. There he is. Yeah, the Wi-Fi crapped out. Spend a little money, uh, buddy. Up, like up the speed of. Yeah, yeah. You you do a podcast, man. Spend some money on the internet in your house. Uh, I asked Jamie where he thought NHL players wanted the league to move to if it were going to move. So he says Toronto or Quebec for him. I'll ask you, Pierre, where you think the most likely is. Uh, You are the information guy, remembering that this is our quick hitters segment. Yeah, it seems like the early relocation front runner is Salt Lake City, but there's so much that's going to play out here. You know, Bill Daly sent me an email yesterday saying he doesn't see any scenario in which the Coyotes don't play in Mullet Arena at least for another year. Yeah. And in the meantime, the league does want to try and find a local solution in Phoenix or Phoenix area first. But clearly, relocation is on the table now in a serious way. Um, Salt Lake City has has emerged as a possibility you know, the Utah Jazz owner, you know, tweeted something recently. So who knows where all that goes. Uh, maybe the the Phoenix Suns owner comes to the rescue. So all these things will play out. But as someone else at the league told me yesterday, that there is no relocation possibility that has been, you know, ruled out. So you can't rule out Quebec City. Toronto's not happening. Toronto would be what I would want and what the players, I think, would want. I've always said there should be two teams in Toronto playing in the same rink. For HR reasons alone, uh, but the league just—it's uh, just not something Gary Bettman wants to do, and we don't have yeah. time to get into it. So that's where all that is, um, and we'll see where it goes. But to me, I think that current ownership in Arizona is probably going to need to sell that team, and then we'll see what that means. All right, you got in just under the whistle, just under the quick hitter's whistle here. Uh, Your choice for general manager of the year, and a reminder that voting happens between these rounds, so it's kind of happening. Which is so dumb. Which is so dumb. All right, you're not getting sidetracked. (laughs) We did that last podcast. Settle down. Uh, Bill Zito, Don Sweeney, Ron Francis, Kelly McCrimmon. Rob Blake, some possibilities, each of them with pretty good years. Uh, Noodles, you look like you're ready to pounce on this. What do you think? Was Don Waddell in there too? Sure, throw him in there if you want. I just this Thank is the list that. that I this is the list I have in front of me. Uh, I was going to say Noodles. Good, good job by you. Good pickup. Like I was, I was listening. I'm like Don Waddell. I think had a pretty good, pretty good season. And you're not allowed to question the team. host. You questioned the host. Don Waddell. That's my guy. You like it, eh? Well, I guess, I mean, if you if you want somebody else, I'll give you somebody else, I think. Um, no, go with that. Go with that. He's, it was a well, heck of Don a year. Sweeney, Don Sweeney had a great year. They just he didn't have the great result that he wanted. Yeah. Pierre? <laughs> also got Pasternak on a cheap deal. Good yeah. point. I, I mean, I'll go with Bill Zito since the voting is when you're down the four teams. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> By the way, why don't we just wait till they award the Stanley Cup and pick that? GM just give it to that GM. Um, yeah. But no, but but here's why. I mean, I mean, geez, Kyle Lewis mentioned Florida unsolicited by himself the other day and said, you know, Bill Zito last summer was hammered for not bringing back Andrew Brunette and hiring Paul Maurice, and and he was second guessed at the time. I know it seems silly now. Everyone's like, no, no, we knew it was going to work out. Okay, trading a top four D in Uyghur and. Uh, a guy that a lot of people have in their heart trophy ballot and Jonathan Huberto for Matthew yeah. Kachuk. A lot of people thought he gave up too much. And listen, they've only made the playoffs by hair, but the vision that he had in terms of that I've spent obviously a couple of weeks with the Panthers and Leafs, they've had a culture shift in that Panthers dressing room. And that's what Bill Zito was trying to do. And they play differently now. Sure. They got some breaks you know, but listen, they just beat up Boston and Toronto, man. And it's not just about this year. There's a path and a vision here about what this team will be the next several years. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Zito would be my choice too. Uh, okay, Con Smythe, front runner, entering the final four. Some possibilities. Uh, Bobrovsky, uh, his 2.82918 is impressive. Eichel's 11, uh, 6, 8, 14 in 11 games. 
I'll throw Heiskanen in there. Rupe Hints has to be a front runner. Matthew Kachuk has been fantastic. 16 points in his 12 games. He's plus 10. Uh, Pierre, you want to take this one first? I'll go Rupe Hints. Um, just think it's not just his production, but how timely a lot of his moments are for that Dallas Stars team. So consistent. Hard to score in the playoffs, boy. I mean, Matthew Kachuk's been awesome, but he didn't score in the second round against the Leafs. So uh, I'll go Hints. I'm going Bob. Um, I don't think Shocker the goalie. Well, think about it, okay? (laughs) So how close were they losing in game five in Boston if he doesn't make that breakaway save on Brad Marchand? Absolutely. That's the TSN turning point for them right there. Yeah. Because that's over in five. That's over in five if he doesn't make that save. I forgot that. Man, that was crazy. Yeah. What a moment. Insane. What a moment. I was watching it live. I was like, I I jumped off my couch. I was like, (laughs) I'm like, Marchand delivers. He's a clutch guy. He he scores that nine out of 10 times. Bob makes that save like he's, like he's practicing breakaways in, in practice. Like it's just calm and cool. He steals yeah. a couple games against the Leafs. I thought he was brilliant in game two, I think, was it? He was oh. stole that game. Like So, for me, it's Bob right now, even though Alex Lyon was the guy. Like, Bob was an afterthought after they got down. Crazy. What was it in, in against Boston? So, for me, it's Bob right now. Hints, I know how – I mean, I shouldn't say I know, but it is so hard to produce in the playoffs, and to do it at the level he's doing it – uh, is really impressive for me. All right, I know your answer to this one, Noodles. I'll let you answer this one in one word because you just made the case. Which $10 million man rehabilitated his image more in the postseason, Jack Eichel or Sergei Bobrovsky? Oh, I was going to say, they're both good answers. Yeah, yeah, they both are great answers because uh, I think Eichel's fantastic. He was a difference maker against the Oilers, but it's Bob. Because Bob was wearing a baseball cap near the end of the season. You're like, and I thought he just looked like he had a nice tan and was just hanging out. All yeah. of a sudden, this guy's pressed into work, and he's been brilliant. Yeah, I'm going to go with him, too. And, and I will, you know, I will add to the preamble here before I answer is that I know nothing about goaltending. That's why I always bother noodles whenever I'm writing about no. goaltending. <laughs> but, um, you know, Sergey. Br- I wrote this. I wrote about Bobrovsky after game one against the Leafs because I thought to myself, I better write about him tonight because who knows how the rest of the series is going to go. Boy, did he prove me wrong. Um, but one of the lines I had in that piece, and I was a little nervous putting it in because, you know, comparisons are, they upset people sometimes. Bobrovsky right now with his performance reminds me so much of late career Carey Price. Mm. Hold on for a second. Where the regular season, uh, you know, and then the playoffs roll around, and it's like the little, the little look in the eye suddenly perks up there, and it's like, okay, now the real hockey is starting. And I wonder if this is what the rest of Bobrovsky's career is going to look like, where I guarantee you there will be some tough moments next year during the regular season for this guy. But then it's like if they get in again, and, I, and I, let's be honest, with Carey Price's health and the up and downs in his last few years – he just felt like a guy I was just waiting to see, like he did bringing him into the cup final in 21. Get me in. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Okay, guys. Who is the NHL's true Mr. Game 7? Peter DeBoer, 7-0 record in Game 7s. Justin Williams, <laughs> retired with a record 7 goals and 15 points in 9 Game 7s. Noodles, which is more impressive? Who deserves the moniker? To me, it's the guy who's undefeated. Undefeated is undefeated. That's something. Yeah, and we had Peter DeBoer on our show a couple yeah. of days ago laughing about it. Like, you know, he was almost like deferring and going, well, the guys go out. But it, there has to be something, whether it's adjustments through the the, the six games or the, the way you carry yourself, your demeanor, because there are, like, look at Doc Rivers. He, you know, he couldn't get it done in the NBA. That guy had... 10 game sevens where it, it doesn't go well for to me your coach has to set your the demeanor the game plan everything and yeah you have to have some luck you have to have your players get it done but only recency bias i'll give it to DeBoer because justin williams like that guy was known crazy like, as a guy who got it done but um i'll give it to DeBoer just because of recency bias and and what he did the other night I'll go Justin Williams because I have in arena bias. I cover those all those LA Kings playoff games or most of them when they were when they won those two cups and 
were in the playoffs every year, and uh, he was. I mean, you would show up to the rink that night thinking, "All right, what is Justin Williams going to do tonight?" Just an expectation, and then he would, he would go out and score in the first period. So that that was pretty phenomenal. I will say this about Pete DeBoer, by the way. I just want to slide this in. Last summer, when DeBoer ended up in Dallas, and Bruce Cassidy ended up in Vegas, and Paul Maurice ended up in Florida, there were people that in the industry. Uh, media-wise, that were like, here we go again, recycle coaches, no imagination. Well, and listen, sometimes that is true. And and I do think teams have to try to have their ears and eyes open for the next young John Cooper, the next young Jared Bednar, of course. But there's also a reason, as a, I was talking to a gem about this recently, why you trust the coach who's been there. Because he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So... Here we are in the final four, and there's Pete DeBoer and Bruce Cassidy and Paul Maurice. I, you know, sorry, I just need to get that off my chest because let's just, you know, let's mention the fact that those hirings were not universally beloved at nope. the time. Yeah. Good point. Uh, strong point by you. Okay, two more and we're done. Um, what do we do first? Let's go predictions, guys. Quickly, Noodles, Vegas, Dallas. Carolina, Florida. Pierre, you can sort of dance your way around figuring out how not to make a prediction because we know how much you love them. But uh, Noodles, who do you got, my man? Okay. Well, I've got to preface my comments by saying I have been almost 100% wrong throughout these playoffs. Good, good, <laughs> good. I, I'm, I'm like cutting I had, your fee in I half had, today. I didn't realize you were so... I had, I had Winnipeg. I had Edmonton. <laughs> I had, like... He, like I had Boston, like you know, I had Colorado beating Seattle. It, it's just like everything well, I did. touched. On, yeah. I know, yeah. but everything I touched was the exact opposite. Yeah, it's so, a bracket buster uh, of the year. I don't know if these teams want me to choose them. <laughs> I slept on Vegas. I feel like Vegas, even though I love Peter DeBoer and I think Dallas might be the more complete team. I think for some reason, just Vegas, you, do you trust the goaltending? But Sean Burke and that goaltending crew, we'll just call the crew of, you know, the five goalies that they've had this year. Um, I think Vegas in the West, I just, they, the Bruce Cassidy's done a great job there too. And in the East, the easy for me would be Rod Brindamore and Carolina. They just play the same way. But again, I've slept. Everyone slept on Florida, and we just talked about Bob. Yep. And I think Florida might Florida might have more game breakers. Like I think Montour on the back end might be a game breaker. That being said, the one thing that's been consistent throughout of all of this, the decors for these four teams are elite. And that might be if this is a copycat league. Take a look at the decors for these four teams that are left, and some of the top tier Norris caliber defensemen where, you know, other teams that are looking to push through, they're, they're, they're missing. Where, you know, the Vegas has two of them. Uh, Dallas has one of them for sure in Haskinen. Obviously, in Carolina, it's Slavin and, and Burns. And in Florida, it's Montour and Ekblad who are really good too. Yeah. So, and, and you throw – so anyways, uh, I'm Carolina and, and – uh, Yeah, sorry, heavy glove hand. Yeah, Florida, heavy Florida glove hand. Vegas. Yeah, heavy glove hand. Yeah, heavy glove hand. Heavy. Look at that glove hand. I'm trying to show this here. Where Man, that looks heavy. Look at that glove hand. That oh, looks yeah, heavy. heavy glove hand. That's... <laughs> oh, boy, I love it. Pierre, what do you got, buddy? <laughs> Carolina-Dallas Cup final. Yeah. And by the way, I love the point you made about the blue line talent uh, late in the playoffs here. It's not like there wasn't you know, blue line talent in the Cup final a year ago in Tampa and Colorado, so... Yes, build your team around your blue line, please. All right. Um, but, yeah, Carolina-Dallas, because in the West, while I think it's a flip of a coin, at some point it needs to matter that Jake Ottinger is the best goalie left in the playoffs. Maybe Sergey Borowski is, but it's got to matter. It's got to yeah. matter that he's, that he's that guy. I got Florida and Vegas. Florida just has something this year. Love the swagger. Oh, Love the we cockiness. I love it. The giant topplers. Yeah. I love it. And Vegas, I just saw what they did against uh, the best team in the NHL for the last 40 games or so. Uh, that team, as Ken Holland said, that's a real team. It's not by accident that they're, what, four or six years? Uh, pretty ridiculous. Okay, we're going to do a late red card, yellow card, no card. But I'm starting the anthem, so we have a finite amount of time to get this done. Got to get it done before the, uh, the show theme song ends. 
Radko Gudis, right in the face of a fallen opponent. We've all seen the picture. We've all seen the moment. I get it. But red card, yellow card, or no card for him doing that in that moment. Noodles, you're the tender. I feel like I know which way you're going to go with this. No, I, I'm no card. Honestly, really? I, I think it's I think it's context. He might have just been yelling as somebody snapped that photo, but that may have been a, just a no a chance. Second. He's right in the. He's like this. He's just right in the guy's grill. Like he knew what he was doing. Listen, you know what? You know what the playoffs are? Players that play for keeps. He plays for keeps. He shook his hand in the in the uh, in the handshake line. I have no problem with it. Yeah, you asked the wrong guy. I'm a Racco Gudis fan. I mean, yeah, that, I love guy, that guy. That guy, I mean, you want him on your team in the playoffs, boy. And the Panthers got a few of those guys. Yeah, uh, he plays so. for keeps. They play for keeps. I man. agree. You know what? I'm going yellow card. I didn't like it. I think there's a certain player who would never in a million years do that. And then there's a guy who would. Eh. I didn't love it. I didn't love and, it. And guess guess what? The guys who wouldn't do that, they're sitting watching. <laughs> I'd say most of his. All right, fair enough. Jamie McLennan for the win on a day where, for the most part, he took a pretty good beating. Great job, Noodles. Thanks for coming on, man. We really love having you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we'll see you on Overdrive a little later today. Pierre, we'll chat next week, my friend. Pierre Lebrun and uh, Jamie McLennan. That'll wrap up the podcast, folks. Thank you so much for your downloads and your subscriptions. We really appreciate it. And a big thanks to our sponsors, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Liberty Smart Security, and Kuma Outdoor Gear as well. Have yourselves a fantastic finish to your day, and uh, we'll talk soon. Cheers. Yeah, heavy glove hand. Why? Yeah, heavy <laughs> glove hand. Why, why do you have the heaviest glove hand in the league? <laughs> was that oh, a knock on him? That laugh yeah, of studies. Well, I used to think it was lazy. When I first started, I thought it was a lazy glove, and then I realized it was just heavy. It was heavy. It's like you had a weight in it. You're slow as I can tell. All right, guys.